Hey, if you got a Bible, uh, pull out your Bible. If you got a phone with the Bible app, pull out your phone. If you don't have either, you're totally fine. We'll have uh, verses on the screen for you. We are in week four of a series called How Is Your Soul? If you haven't heard the other uh, weeks, you can always go online, download the podcast. Uh, one of the things that I'm really excited about in the new building um, is that we're actually going to be live streaming our services, and then we're actually going to have all of our services on YouTube. So if you ever miss a week, you'll be able to go back and see what shoes I'm wearing that week, okay? Because I know, I know you're always like, okay, what shoes is he wearing this week, okay? So... Um, it'll, it'll be super good. Uh, if you're taking notes, you can title today, Don't Fall Off the Cliff. Don't Fall Off the Cliff. Um, a bunch of years ago, um, when I was a youth pastor, I had some interns. Um, actually, Matt, that was singing, uh, was one of the interns, and Levi, that's in the back, and Marissa. And, and I thought, you know what, let's have kind of a family moment. Let's have a bonding moment. And uh, I was super into snowboarding at the time. Anybody ski, snowboard, anything like that? All I know is that I was wrapping Christmas presents one year, and I'm watching the snowboarding video, and I'm like, that's amazing, and I need to do that. And so we bought snowboards, and we learned. And so I said, guys, let's go on this trip. And so uh, we got into a sketchy old church van. Anybody ever been in a sketchy old church van before, okay? They're from the devil, okay? Number one, all right? All right, number one, horrible things happen in vans, okay? Can we just say that? Like, any youth trip in a sketchy old church van, there's some things that Jesus wouldn't be smiling about that's happening in those vans, okay? Number one, okay? Number two, they break down all the time. Like, every trip you go on, you're like, God, we pray that you just somehow bless this van, and it still breaks down. So we go on this trip, and we are going to Snowshoe in West Virginia, Okay? Let me repeat that, West Virginia, okay? Anybody been to West Virginia before? There's no need to ever go, okay? All right? And uh, so we're like, we're going through the back, like, roads, mountains of West Virginia, okay? Number one, our phones don't work. There's no cell phone service. Number two, we have no idea where we're at. Number three, we're in the mountains. It is, like, pitch dark. Not, like, dark. I'm talking, like, pitch dark. And Matt goes, dude, I got to pee because Matt has to pee about every 14 minutes of his life. Okay. I promise you last night he scared. Oh my gosh. I was going to stab him. He scared me so bad in the middle of the night. Okay. So Matt's like, I got to pee. And I'm like, bro, we're in the mountains, man. Like there are mountain lions and there are animals that are wild in the mountains. He's like, I got to go. I'm like, it's on you, man. So we stopped. I mean, it's like pitch dark. We open up the door and Matt jumps out and I'm like, he may come back. He may not come back. I'm like thinking something like mountain animal is going to drag him away. And luckily he came back. We were super excited. So we go on to the trip. And when we get there, it's like a blizzard. Okay. It's like a spring blizzard. That night we were there. I think they got, was it 19 inches, Matt? that night, 19 inches. So the next morning, we're like shoveling off all the snow, and we're like, okay, we got to drive up the mountain a little farther to get to the snowboarding place. Now, we're like going up a mountain. Anybody ever driven like on a mountain where there's like a cliff? You know what I mean? Where you're like, that is death, 
Okay, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not pretty. Like, that, if we fall or we roll off, that's death. And I mean, we're like trying to get this 15-passenger van up this mountain. And then we got up, and then we didn't realize, like, later on that day, like, we're going to have to go back down the mountain. You know what I mean? And so, like, when we were coming back home, like, we're just, I remember I had my foot on the brake, and we were just sliding. You ever been that in that moment before? You're like, Lord Jesus. You're like, Jesus, take the wheel. You know what I mean? It's like, and I swear we were going to die, and thank God we didn't. But cliffs are scary, okay? They're nothing to mess with. And so today, I want to talk about four things that can drive your soul off of a cliff, okay? Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you for this day. God, we thank you that you blessed LeBron James today in Jesus' name and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they will destroy, destroy the horrible Indiana Pacers. We love you. We pray you bless the Chicago Bears in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we had a great draft. We had a great draft. I will say Browns, man. Browns, you're on the move, okay? Browns, you're on the move. Bengals, we pray for your soul every Sunday, okay? Here we go. Number one, point number one is this, rabbits, squirrels, and goats. <laughs> rabbits, squirrels, and goats, okay? What am I talking about? I'm talking about distractions, okay? Um, my wife, if you're new, she was up here uh, singing. Um, if she's driving down the road and she sees a rabbit, a squirrel, or a goat, she will talk to that animal, Okay? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to do it. You know, like we were driving yesterday and she saw a dog, you know, and she was like, oh, it's a doggy, you know, or we'll like be driving. She'll be like, you bad, bad goat. I see you, you know, because there's like some goats around us and stuff. And like, she'll be driving. Like I've been on the phone with her before where she is driving in the car, talking to me on the phone and she will see a squirrel and she'll be like, ooh, look at the little squirrel. I'm like, you are driving right now. And you're talking on the phone to me as we're having this conversation. She's completely distracted, okay? How many of us get distracted when we drive, okay? Now, what am I equating this to? I'm equating this to the spirit of mammon, Okay? The spirit of mammon distracts us in our finances all the time. Let me show you. Luke chapter 18, verse 18, says this in the Passion Translation. One day, a wealthy Jewish noble of high standing posed this question to Jesus. Wonderful teacher, what must I do to be saved and receive eternal life? It's a great question. Jesus answered, why would you call me wonderful when there's only one who is wonderful? And that is God alone. You already know what is right in the commandments I teach you. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not lie. Respectfully honor your father and your mother. Verse 21, the wealthy leader replied, these are things that I've been doing for as long as I can remember. Verse 22, ah, Jesus says. I like that. <laughs> ah, ah, Jesus said. But there's still one thing that's missing in your life. What is that? The man asked. You must go and sell everything you own and give your proceeds to the poor and you will receive eternal treasure. Then come and follow me. Verse 23, when the rich young leader heard these words, he was devastated for he was extremely wealthy. Why is he devastated? Because his heart is connected to his things, 
Why is he devastated? Because his heart is connected to his finances. Why is he devastated? Because his heart is connected to his wealth. And the word devastation in the Latin, if we look at it from the Latin point of view, as the Bible would have read this, it means this, overwhelmed as with grief or shock. I think this guy is in shock. I think this guy's going, man, I really like this Jesus guy. I really want to follow him. I like his crew that he's got rolling with him. I think I could see myself a part of his crew. I think I could see myself a part of his movement. I like what Jesus stands for. I like where he's going. And so he's picturing himself with Jesus and his crew. And then Jesus drops his bomb and he goes, listen, I want you to follow me, but I need you to sell everything so that you can come follow me. And this guy is now in shock because he's going, oh, you want my heart? And you want my money? And I think that's what happens a lot of times in life. We're like, okay, God, my heart is one thing. You know, I'll give you my heart in worship. You know, I'll surrender my life to you. But my money? Like, I, I like my money. I don't know if you like your money, but I like my money. I like buying stuff, okay? I could go on a shopping spree every day of my life, Okay? And Jesus goes, no, no, no. I want you to understand something. He goes, your heart and your money, they're connected. They're connected. I promise you, pull up your bank account. You'll see what you love. You'll see what you love. Some of you really love Starbucks. I mean, like really love Starbucks. Like deeply in your soul. You'll see. See, the spirit of mammon says what? It's mine, right? My paycheck, it's mine. It's kind of like Finding Nemo. Those birds are like mine, 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 yeah. It's, it's mine, right? It's all, it, it, I control this. And then the spirit of generosity says, no, I'm a manager of what God gives me. So when God brings surplus into my life, I'm just a steward of what God gives me. I'm just returning back to God what is his. See, the spirit of mammon will wreck your life when it comes to your finances because you will always eat what God gives you. See, the word says that God gives seed to the sower. So when we sow, we reap. Okay, but if I'm always eating what I have to sow, then I have nothing to reap. Amen. The spirit of mammon will cause your soul to take a sharp left and get distracted. You're like, look at a pretty bunny. Or no, it's really like this. Look at a pretty purse, you know. Look at the pretty car. Look at the pretty trip. Look at this pretty thing. I need this thing. I want this thing. My soul wants to be happy and satisfied. And the spirit of mammon will rob. Because listen, I, I want to I let you in on something, okay? You know when I pray for offering every week and I say God doesn't rob, steal, or cheat you? I really believe that. I, I'm not just saying that. 
Like I really, truly, wholehearted believe that God has no intentions of ever robbing from you or stealing from you. His heart is 100%. I want to give you more than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. I want you to have so much surplus that you can be blessed to be a blessing. So when circumstances arise, you can go, you know what? We can take care of that. We have way more than enough. Oh, a building fund. Oh, yeah, we got it. Oh, yeah, there's somebody in need in the church. Oh, yeah, we have it. I'll never forget that Sunday. We had um, this girl come. This is her, she's only been at our church one time, like one time. And I just felt like the Lord told me to take up an offering from her. She was a single mom. And we took up this offering, like on a whim at the end of service. And we, I think it was 1200 bucks in cash. But see, that's the spirit of generosity. Spirit of generosity goes, oh yeah, we got it. Because our trust is not in mammon. Our trust is in the Lord. My soul trusts the Lord. That's really what giving is all about. It's either your soul trusts the Lord or your soul goes, no, I don't really trust God's plan for my finances. I'll trust him with other things. And this is what the rich young ruler's problem was. He goes, I'll trust you and I'll come follow you, but I'm not getting rid of my stuff. I'm not getting rid of my mammon. Number one, it's mammon. Number two thing that will take your soul off a cliff it's a pothole. Anybody ever hit a pothole before? They're just from the devil. I mean, the devil himself, I swear, made potholes, okay? I remember one time I'm driving my red Jetta, my beautiful red Jetta. It was turbo. It was fast. And I was driving this thing in Michigan, and I hit the biggest pothole, and that thing popped my tire, bent my rim, and I'm changing it on the side of the road. Listen, Potholes are from the devil. But really, what are potholes in our life? I believe it's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Mark chapter 11, verse 25, and it says this in the ESV version. It says, whenever you are standing praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Anything. Anything against anybody. I don't know about you, but like if somebody cuts me off on the side of the road, on the road, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I could follow you right now to wherever you are going, you know? Like, I mean, I can get hot quick. Anybody else like that? Yeah, you all are liars, okay? You all are liars, okay? I'm going to put a dash cam in your car, okay? Passion Translation says this, and whenever you are standing praying, if you find that you are carrying something in your heart against another person, release them and forgive him. I like what it says, caring. Because when we have something in our hearts against somebody else, when we're carrying unforgiveness, guess what? You carry it wherever you go. You carry it to Kroger. You carry it to the gas station. You carry it to work. You carry it to sleep. Wherever you go, that unforgiveness follows you. It stays inside of you when you haven't released it. It goes on to say this, so that your Father in heaven will also release and forgive you of your faults. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says this, you are always dearly loved by God. 
So robe yourself with the virtues of God, since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endure to understand others. Can I get an amen for that? It's a process to understand people. Sometimes you look at people and you're like, man, I just do not understand that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I watch people eat fries with ketchup, and I'm like, Jesus, help them. You know, like, I hate ketchup. You know, I just can't understand that. It says this, be compassionate, showing kindness to all. Be gentle, humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Verse 13, tolerate the weaknesses of those who are in the family of faith. Forgive one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with somebody, release, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. Listen, our ability to release grace determines the amount of grace in our own life. How quickly can you forgive? How quickly can you forgive your wife? How quickly can you forgive your husband? How quickly can you forgive your children? How quickly can you forgive somebody? In, in our house, the workmaster house, we have three boys. We have a 13-year-old son, an eight-year-old son, and a three-year-old son. And, you know, they make mistakes. Children make mistakes. I make mistakes, okay? Now, we have a rule in our house that when someone makes a mistake, we deal with the mistake. But I tell my sons all the time, I'm not going to hold this over you. I'm going to release you from this mistake because it was a mistake and we all make mistakes. So I'm going to release you from it and I'm not going to see you through the eyes of this mistake. This is what Jesus does for us. Jesus goes, listen, I know you're human. I know you have flesh. I know you say stupid things. I know you do dumb things. And I want you to know that my grace abounds. That's why I went to the cross so that I could release grace and forgiveness to you. And I could release you. Release you. Oh, do you like that? Snap. It was like a big snap. Release. I can release you. Right? But then in our own life, we're like, man, did you hear what she said? Can I get an amen on that? Did you see what they said on social media? Did you see this? Did you see that? You know what I, what I loved? It said, tolerate the weaknesses of those who are in the family of faith, our community. In this community is a bunch of flawed people. I'm flawed. I tell people all the time, I promise you, at some point in time as your pastor, I will offend you. Promise you. At some point in time as your pastor, I will say something that you don't like. At some point in time as your pastor, you will look at me and think, why did you make that choice? But you know what? In community, we have brothers and sisters, right? And brothers and sisters do things to each other and say things to each other. That doesn't mean that they're a terrible human being and that you should write them off and they should think bad things about them and talk about them behind their back. Ooh, I'm preaching good today. Right? Got to release people. You know why? 
Because God said, if you don't release people, then I can't release grace to you. You want me to forgive your sins? Then you forgive somebody else's. Now, see, I mean, this is real. This is real. See, it's one thing when you don't know Jesus and God gives you grace and forgives you. It's another thing when you know Jesus, you know his grace, you know his forgiveness, and then you go, you know what? No, no, I'm not gonna forgive her. No, I'm not gonna let go of this situation. No, I'm not gonna move on. And God goes, you're, mm, you're messing it up. You're messing up my grace. I can't release forgiveness to you because you won't release it to somebody else. Number two is potholes, it's forgiveness. Number three is this, deer. You ever seen a deer when you're driving? Causes you to look away. And I equate deer with comparing. Number three is comparing, okay? Um, how many uh, fans of The Office do we have in the house, okay? Can we just, I mean, uh, you know how like something's good for your soul every day? I think an episode of The Office every day is good for your soul, okay? I just, I, I, mean, I just, I need Michael Scott like every day in my life. I feel a whole lot better about myself when I look at Michael, okay? <laughs> so I love The Office and the other day I was watching The Office and it was the episode where Michael finds out that he's like super in debt and that he has no money anymore. And he's trying to figure out like, what am I gonna do with my life? And so um, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Toby or somebody said, he's gonna have to declare bankruptcy, okay? And so he like walks out into the middle of the office and he goes, I have an announcement. And he goes, I declare bankruptcy. And he's like, I did it, I said it, you know? Okay, well, here's the deal. I have something to declare today, okay? All right, I'm gonna declare something real and honest from my heart, okay? I declare that I unfollow. Can I get an amen from somebody? I unfollow, all right? Listen, come on now, it is real. There are times that I'm on Instagram and I'm just like, my soul cannot take this right now. I need to unfollow this junk in Jesus' name. Listen, comparing is straight from the devil. And unfortunately, social media is amazing. But unfortunately, at times it is, it is like, I, I just believe sometimes it's like we load the gun for the devil and we're like, here you go, fire away fire straight into my heart. So sometimes I need to unfollow. I need to not get and see that. You know, it's just a reality. First Samuel chapter 18, verse six through nine says this. When the victorious Israelite army returned home after David had been killed, uh, after David had killed the Philistines, the women from the town of Israel came out to meet King Saul, okay? And they sang and danced with tambourines and cymbals. Tambourines, man, that was my childhood. It was like 14 ladies in my church with tambourines. And man, they were all offbeat too. I was like, you old, crusty white ladies, offbeat, you know? <laughs> they were too, they were. I was always like, Jesus, Jesus help them. Jesus help them. <laughs> it's just real today, isn't it? It's just real. Verse seven, it says this. This was their song. 
Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. This made Saul very angry. What is this, he said. They credit David with tens of thousands and me only with thousands. Next, they'll be making him king. Verse 9. From this time, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. This is the very moment that Saul lost everything. This, a song. I mean, back in the day, they were like, we're here on Israel radio. We're here with that new song, King Killer David, you know, King Killer David, that new song that's going platinum right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Israel radio. I bet you there is Israel radio. But he lost everything because of a song. It's the very moment that Saul started comparing. And the very moment he started comparing, he lost his mind to fear. Fear. Fear took over his mind about who David was and what David was called to become someday. Saul lost touch with God. He was consumed with pride, anger, and rage because he was consumed. Saul's job was to know God, to hear God's voice, but he was consumed. And because he was consumed with comparing his life with David's life, he lost everything. It's amazing that when we are consumed with comparing, how we can't really hear God's voice anymore. Because all we can think about is somebody else's life, somebody else's blessing. I need you to look at your neighbor. Look at them, okay? Look them in the eyes right now. I need you to, I need you to give them that deep stare right now, that deep stare. I need you to say this. I need you to say, run your race, okay? Just say, run your race. Run your race. Listen, we are so concerned with somebody else's race. We're so concerned with somebody else's job, somebody else's career, somebody else's life. This is why racehorses, when they race, they put blinders on the side. They run in their lane, right? Just run your lane, run your race. Stop comparing. Point number four, last point is this. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Taco Bell equates to emotions to me, okay? A couple weeks ago, I got done playing basketball late on a Sunday night. Me and Matt are driving home, and I see Taco Bell. And it's, you know, like 10, 30, 10, 45, and I'm like, you know what? Baja Freeze is calling my name in Jesus' name. I mean, it's like a heavenly angel made Baja Freeze and then delivered it to earth for us, okay? And so... I go to Taco Bell, and how many of you know that the next morning you are 100% regretting that you went to Taco Bell at 10.45 at night, okay? Listen, it's, a, it's about emotions, okay? Um, here we go. Adam, come here. Adam, Anna, give me you three, you two. Come here. Yeah, come here, Elena. Come here. Yeah, come on up, okay? Oh, I don't need you. Huh. All, right. all right, here, come on over here. Okay, how many of you know that we all have emotions? Throw that thing on, throw that thing on. 
okay? Some of us sometimes we're in love, okay? I love me some Adam. <laughs> we're in love. Sometimes we're silly. Oh, it broke. Oh, it's only one hole. Okay, there we go. Sometimes we're happy. Sometimes we just feel like poop. Come on, can we just be honest? Sometimes we're just having a poopy day, all right? All right, sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we're crazy. Listen, we all have emotions, okay? But how many of you know that emotions are just emotions? They're just feelings. You know what Matthew chapter 7 says, verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follow it is wise, like a person who builds their house on solid rock. Verse 25, though the rains come in the torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. House is built on rock. Verse 26, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds their house on the sand. When the rains and the floods and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Listen, feelings are great. It's amazing when you feel in love, right? It's amazing when you're crazy. Sometimes it is good to have a good cry. Um, uh, Feelings are incredible, but they're just feelings. They're just emotions that we're going through in life. And the enemy is a really good one to mess with your feelings and emotions, right? He knows how to manipulate your emotions all the time. So we have these moments where we go, I just, I don't feel in love anymore, right? I um, heard this one a lot. I don't feel God. I don't feel God, or uh, I'm scared, I'm insecure. What are these? They're just feelings. They're just feelings. Listen, I'm going to keep it 100% real. In 15 years that I've been married, has there been seasons? Let me use the word seasons, meaning months, that I'm not overwhelmingly feeling in love with my wife? Yeah. And I promise you there's probably more seasons that she feels that way about me, okay? Because I'm like the hardest person in the world to live with, okay? But does that change anything? No. Why? I made a commitment. And my commitment was never about my feelings. That's why before we got married, I told her I was never going to say I love you until I put a ring on her finger. I didn't. First time I told her I loved her was the moment I put a ring on her finger because I wanted her to know that this was a commitment, not a feeling. This was a forever. Feelings change. Emotions change. But you know what doesn't change? God's word. It never ever changes. Thank you so much. Give it up for our amazing, amazing people. Worship team, you guys can come on up. What is God trying to do in our life? Look at this. We've got a traffic jam right now. Look at your neighbor and say, we have to become mature in our faith. Okay? We have to become mature in our faith. 
how I build my choices, how I live my life is determined on, am I going to live according to my feelings or am I going to live according to the word of God? Either I'm going to build my, my life upon the rock or I'm going to build my life upon sand. And sand is constantly moving and changing just like our feelings and emotions. Do I feel God 100% of the time? No. You know, like when I'm worshiping on Sunday mornings, do I just feel God's love crazy on my life all the time? No. But you know what? I'm not in a feeling with God. I'm in a commitment with God. I'm committed to his purposes. I'm committed to his kingdom. So even though I don't feel something, doesn't mean that God's word isn't true. It's always true. Let me share some promises that God gives us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. It's all you need in life. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So glad that when I'm weak, he's strong. His grace is more than enough. Psalms chapter 34, verse four through five says this, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. Aren't you glad that you got a God that hears you? You got a God that will answer you. You got a God that will speak to you. A few weeks ago, I was in the middle of the night crying out to God, God, what, what, what's the clarity, the direction for this major choice that I was making? And I was really, really crying out to God. And the next day, I'm at here, I'm at the church, and I had set a reminder in my phone to look up this video about production. And so I looked up this video, and how many know there's always videos on the side? And so there was a video, and then there was a video, and there was a video, and then all of a sudden I saw this video from friends of mine who started a church, you know, 15 years ago out in Colorado. They started with nothing like we did, and now they're like 15,000 strong. And there was this video, and God totally used this video on YouTube to speak to my need that day. God will answer you. He knows what you need. It says he has freed me from all of my fear. Those who look to him for help, they will be radiant with joy. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who trust the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on eagles' wings over what? The problems, the situations, the feelings. Don't you want to fly high over your feelings? Don't you want to fly high over the hard days? Fly soar high above them. They will run, what? Their race. Not looking to the left or the left or the right. They're going to run their race. And they will not grow weary. And they will walk and they will not faint. Why don't you stand up this morning? We're going to continue to worship today.